Signs of the Southland, Monday, February 13th, 2023. We are not live today, but what was live Ooh. yesterday was the Super Bowl. I don't remember the number. Uh, I do remember that it had 130 or 113 million uh million viewers for Fox. Uh, and a interesting, uh, interesting refereeing scenario that decided the game. Huh. It was perfectly normal. They made the correct call. The players admitted to it as much. I see no, I see no faults to be blamed anywhere. I completely. I, 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 Except I don't for think the, so. The, the second Dallas Goddard catch at the sideline where he bounced off his helmet, that was the wrong call. That was it. That was incomplete. No, 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 no. He it, did not have control of the ball. No, they called not it complete. He ball. never he had controlled it. it. Controlled it when? for one step, one step. As far in as college is the catch. Guess where we weren't. Uh-uh. I sense uh-uh. that Mr. Grant has some angst about this result. Well, I uh, I live with a Philadelphian, so put that there. But uh, I did Biker. have the I did have the eight to five uh, Chiefs Eagles square. So oh, nice. I had five five in a in a in a squares that paid out by minute. So I got those last few minutes at the end to get my money back. By minute. It's by what minute. Yeah. The it's a, it's what? A, it's a fifteen hundred dollar board. Huh. Well. That's uh, certainly interesting. In the state of Georgia, gentlemen. You don't know what state I was in. Surely do not. Um, I do know what state you were in when you were watching men's basketball this past week, though. There was some elation for like a grand total of 30 seconds. Yeah. A state of despair uh, on Saturday. State of despair That's normally, sure. but like elation for one brief moment. A shock. I mean, of, oh. Th- that that's emotional spike of a buzzer buzzer beating shot. Honestly, I kind of forgot what it felt like, but it felt good. Um, I walked out of McCamish, you know, with a skip in my step. That was that was fun. It it was sorely missed, and it could not happen to a team. Well, at least in conference, that I want to beat any more than them. So. I love it. I'm I'm here for it. And uh, I was joking to myself. All right, it's time time to ink him to another year of contract. Let's go. But, <laughs> Absolutely not. But do you know what you should do? You should actually say the final score of the game for those that didn't watch. Yeah, the uh, final score of the Notre Dame game on Wednesday was seventy to sixty eight. Uh, the buzzer beater to which we're referring is a second chance tip in by Lance Terry. Um, he. I think it was a Kyle Sturdivant, like mid-range-ish kind of designed play for for Kyle to not go in. Uh, Lance Terry, it must be noted, played the full 40 minutes. He went eight for 15 from field goals. He had 19 points. Um, And and Javon Franklin really stepped into his own as well in about 31 minutes of playing time. And they were noticeably better, at least in, in my humble opinion, when... When he was on the court uh, routing, rounding things out, uh, Kyle Sturdivant was 5 for 10 and 2 of 5 from 3 points for 12. Uh, Davon was 3 for 9 for 8 points. Debo went 3 for 8 and 2 of 5 from 3 uh, point land, 3 of 3 from the line for 11 points himself. Those kind of round out your your big uh, stat sheet hogs. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty, I mean, not that Notre Dame's the best team on the planet but you know we we had a good field goal percentage we had a, a good three-point percentage we were eight for 12 from the line which isn't great but um hey uh, as Pastner says it, it it takes seven 70 to win in the league so look at that speaking of a point where they got to 70 let's uh let's talk about saturday 
You really so going to do that? Number of points. I mean, it should have been two more. Um, I, I think it's kind of egregious when you go back and rewatch this game ending play uh, and really the whole game ending minute. Um, again, this is not a podcast that likes to harp on refereeing. I know that despite the last uh, however many minutes we've already been talking, it probably seems a little bit uh, to the counter there. But um, yeah, no, basically the last minute of this game was a comedy of errors in just about every way possible. Uh, I believe Sturdivant got bowled over with about a minute to play, giving Wake the ball. Um, yeah, uh, and then at the end of the end of the game, uh, was it Franklin that got held deep off a Debo pass? Yeah, yeah, um, pretty pretty gross there, uh, especially to see the ACC issue a correction for the end of the Duke Virginia game and not even really acknowledge. Uh, the fact that there was some pretty, uh, I think, deserved uh, angst uh, in the tech sphere after after the game. Uh, I will say Georgia Tech did go uh, eight for eight from the line, kept them in the game. Uh, but they made it to the line eight times when Wake Forest made it there. 24. Um, I didn't see any particular noticeably different uh, aggression or uh, control in, in either team. So it uh, really leaves a lot to be uh a lot to be desired, right? If, if the other team's getting 16 more chances for freebie points, that's uh pretty, I'd say a pretty big uh, gap there and, and kind of surpri- surprising a little bit that it was only a one point game. That being said, uh, I think Georgia tech, the summary is that this team, at least I would say is, is a lot better than their record indicates them to be at this point, especially in ACC play. It was so weird at the, at that last bit against wake, how like we both teams got fans some timeouts, for no apparent reason either. Like, they're, like no one called timeout. They weren't reviewing anything. They didn't need to fix the clock. It was just like, we're just stopping for 30 seconds. And then we got to stop for 30 seconds. I'm like, I don't, I couldn't tell why. I was like double checking that like my eyes were working based on what they, because they, I saw the scoreboard had no timeouts left for either side. And at least they went both ways on that, I guess. But um, the foul they called on Javon was just atrocious, atrocious as well. Like there, there was, yeah, that were near enough contact to warrant something like that. Um, Josh Passer for also Josh, I'm sure lost like ten pounds that game with how much he was moving on the sidelines. Like that man did anything, any kind of motion, emotion of emotion that he would do, he probably did that game. To his credit, he cited a previous dictum from the ACC office not to complain about refereeing uh, (laughs) repeatedly when asked about the refereeing. So, you know, he wanted to talk about the refereeing constantly. I want want to talk about something that's not uh, refereeing real quick. Um, Just in terms of, like... The, the vibe, the what we were seeing out there. I think it was pretty clear, at least to me, that uh, this is a better team when Davon's in the game. Uh, Kyle Sturdivant and Davon Smith obviously share some time at that point guard position. Davon uh, got 15 points on 7 of 14, shooting 1 for 3 uh, from 3. Uh, he did have 4 fouls, which kind of limited him there. Uh, Kyle was 2 for 8 and 1 for 1 from 3 for, for 5 points. So I, I think... I think it's kind of coalescing, at least to me, that Javon Franklin uh, versus Rodney Howard and Davon Smith versus um, Kyle Sturdivant seem to be our calls at the at the point in the big man position there. I, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts, though. Rodney hasn't been 100% healthy the last week or so that's also, fair. so that's played into it. But no, I just in terms of just like enjoyability of watching 
in terms of those pairs, the Davon Javon pair just is so much more active. It just feels so much more fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and Javon's, I, I think he's been. I mean, yeah, he's not going to be your best in terms of size down low, but at least he's he he makes stuff happen down there. Davon makes stuff happen too. Like they just they just move differently. Uh, Sturdivant. I, I mean, he's not. I wouldn't call go as far as to say he's lethargic out there, but there are just times where it's like, all right, bring something here. Um, that I just don't, I just don't get it as often as I do with Davon. Um, and you know, granted, the fact that they've been losing a lot doesn't help with trying to maybe maybe, maybe not seeing what we could from every out of everybody, just because it's been so hard emotionally at the same time, um, which is yeah. hard to ignore. So, yeah, I, I think right now the Davon Javon wave, if it works, let it work. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, that's kind of what I put out there, so of course I agree. But. <laughs> Um, wow, I suggested and, this idea, and now you're, you're saying the exact same thing? Huh. Yeah, it's it's a miracle how that works. Um, uh, again, I will say Georgia Tech shooting, pretty solid. Uh, they fought till the end. They should have. They deserved better than than what they got at the end. And, you know, it, it stinks not to be 2-0, and but I, I think this was a growth game, and, you know, there, there's not a lot of season left, but hopefully they can at least have uh, some fun here down the stretch, and I think it's worth pointing out that the rest of the schedule includes uh, Virginia Tech, uh, Florida Tech, Pittsburgh, Louisville, Syracuse, and Boston College in the regular season. And dare I say, but for the most part, um, most of those teams are at least, you know, a uh, decent chance of uh, making some action there. So definitely something to to keep in mind and, and tune into down the stretch, Georgia Tech, you know, front front loading the schedule with the likes of, you know, a bunch of the conference leaders certainly doesn't help to get them off on the on the right foot <laughs> on the right foot there. But they've got a, a couple more at home and and I, I would say a, a decent number of winnable games in the final one, two, three, four, five, six regular season games. Number one overall in the conference pit takes offense to your statement, by the way, um, they like you said, Virginia Tech on the 15th, that is Wednesday, that's a 7 p.m. tip on ACC Network. Uh, the 18th on Saturday, that is versus Florida Tech, also at home, there's a 2 p.m. tip on ACC Network Extra. I'm pretty sure that's actually classified as an exhibition, uh, but it doesn't explicitly say uh, that on the uh, on the Ramblin' Rec website. Uh, and then Tuesday, fe- February 21st, at, at Pitt, uh, that's a 7 p.m. tip on the ESPN Family Networks. There's not a specific one listed, just... Yeah. So, I mean, they have Louisville, they have Boston College down down at the bottom. They have Florida Tech, obviously. VT, Hughes, Pitt. It's kind of a random number generator in the ACC this year. Um, I, even if Tech is down near the bottom of the rankings. So I, I, I kind of don't know what to expect down the stretch, but uh, hopefully they're they're fun. That's all I can ask for from this team at this point. It's like if you're going to be bad, just be fun. To watch yeah. and be miserable. Yep. No comment there. Good stuff. Let's flip over to the women's side of the Zelnak Center. The women had a particularly harsh week. Mm-hmm. A fifty-seven to forty-one loss to Clemson, who you might recall we said last time you should never lose to Clemson in women's mm-hmm. basketball. Uh, and then I, I cursed us there. And then 85 to 79 loss to Pitt in double OT. Mr. Purdy, let's start with that Clemson game. What happened? 
Uh, they they decided offense was not happening that day, or I guess more Clemson decided that. Uh, yeah, they scored only 41, which is by far the fewest they've scored all season. They scored 41 in the first half of just the next game. So that's how rough it got. Swartz was the only one that even could get 10 shots up, um, and she led the team in scoring in that as well. I did not catch most of that game. I was out at a dinner, so uh, I, and I'm glad I was out at a dinner for that game because it ended up not being a good one to watch. By well, the they just went cold. Yeah, right? they did. Went, I, yeah, in that third quarter. They, yeah, they were in it. Yeah, they, it was, the score was fine in the first quarter, and then second and third, it just they couldn't hit anything. They just, I think they did make a shot like the final five minutes of the second or something like that. There was at least a very just super long stretch where they just could not get anything to drop. Um, so that'll that'll always lose you games. Pitt, on the other hand, they uh they were getting stuff to drop far earlier and far more efficient effectively. They hit seven threes in the first half. Um, and then went cold and never hit another three throughout the next four periods of play that happened. It, th- this pit game was actually kind of fun. Like it yeah, was really fun to just watch, even though they lost. And yes, the end, the last, the, both of the overtime periods were pretty frustrating. And the fact that they went to overtime in the first place is also yeah. They never should have gone. They, they just they just shouldn't have been there in the first place. That's the main. Yeah, thing. Nah. but it was it was a fun game to watch. Like I I, I will. Again, like like I said for the men, like if you're gonna play bad basketball, at least be fun to watch. Uh, and this was fun to watch. Yeah, this they're still a very youthful, energetic team. At least they're younger than the guys' team, and just they're just doing stuff. They're just they're they're making all the mistakes now. They're doing they're, they're doing the fail fast stuff now, which is great. Um, and also, no one time, played defense in this game. No, there was no defense to really be seen at all. Um, I put a quote from Nell in the post game. She had like eight different ways where she said we were terribly de- terrible defensively, uh, but this one she went. She's going as far as to say like they got to reevaluate what they're doing because they just couldn't get anything down the last two games. Um, they also got pretty tired at the end. She noted, but she wouldn't. She didn't use that as like an explicit excuse to be like, yeah, that's why we lost. Like they had just too much stuff. They 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 were just giving up stuff they never usually give up. Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't the best. Kara Dunn had her career day though, 20, 20 points. Uh, so that's her new her new career high, and she was on track for that pretty early on in the first quarter. She did get it until overtime, so it did take the whole fifty minutes of gameplay to get there. But I mean, rough week, but you know, like I said, all we can ask for is a fun game. Uh, any other updates coming out of the women's side of the Zodiac Center, Mr. Purdy? Uh, yes, uh, Deja Thomas, who is going to be our are probably our most notable recruit for next season, uh, which we'll talk about probably in the summer when we get to that point of the potting calendar. Uh, she's playing in Texas, and she has her team has won their second straight state championship, and she's been on both teams. So whether you consider Texas a just part of the U.S. or the France-sized country slash state that it is, she's effectively won two of the hardest state championships in the U.S. to win and won them consecutively. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal for us. Um in terms of having a very able player coming in with a team that's going to be way better next year just because they're playing like this right now and still showing signs of getting better and just figuring out all the, the kinks for a throughout a whole season. Absolutely. Let's move over to Ken Byers Tennis Complex. The women were off this week, but the men faced a three-pack of games. South Carolina, that's number eight South Carolina, mind you, in the first set. Uh, and then Athens, and then the Citadel. Let's start with the rivalry matchup, Mr. Grant. 
Actually, Mr. Purdy. Wait, why, why are you skipping the Friday game? That makes, that makes I, no well, sense. Look, look, I'm going by what you have notes for. I don't I, see any notes for the South Carolina game. So we're starting with the rivalry game, Mr. Purdy. I could have put stuff in the South Carolina game. I forgot. I, yeah. I have stuff too. I just, just an oversight. But. Okay. The, uh, I went to the, the UGA game first because it was started just before the women's basketball game next door. So I was like, all right, we'll do, we'll do, we'll play two today. I get to the slate for a 12 o'clock start. Get, I leave at around 11.45. My scooter, get over there five minutes before it's supposed to start. Can't find a seat. That place was smashed. Like, they, like, stopped checking. They, like, stopped opening the door because it was so full. They let. I think I was, like, of the last few people to get in before they had to start doing a line for people to wait until other people left so that they could get in. Uh, it was it was massive. Uh, so many so many people there. I I only been to one match inside there for it was the Furman match earlier this year. Even that was kind of full too. It was Furman. So this one this one had a lot of hype. A lot of other players were there. Um, that the women's team showed up. I, there were other past Tech players that were there. Um, it was it was a really fun environment. Um, we won the doubles point too, which is really fun to see. So they got us in singles, but uh. Yeah, no, I saw it. So Ethan Quinn's the main guy for UGA, and does that man have a forehand? Like that, that man was whipping whipping balls past Andres Barden. That Andres, like he Andres multiple times, just like what what do I do with this? Like he he was befuddled. He was playing fine, but he's like I, I don't know what to do here, and I don't think it's any fault of Martin that Quinn's just that good. Yeah, just to go down and read some of the double uh, some of the scores before I let you get. A word in here, Mr. Grant. Uh, number 60 pairing in the nation, Martin and McDaniel for Tech. Defeated number 24, Quinn and Bride, 6-2. Chopra and Shakri defeated Henning and G- Giusa, uh, 5-4. I guess that was unfinished. Uh, McKinney and Sakdev, uh took out Kreuter and Johnston, 6-4. So that's Tech with a doubles point. And then rounding out the singles, Quinn beat Martin, 6-1, 6-4. McDaniel beat Henning at Georgia, uh, six three six four. Bride at Georgia beat Chopra. Uh, six uh, seven six seven six. Uh, Giusa. I'm gonna get that name wrong multiple times here. Uh, took out Sakdev four six seven six six zero. Uh, Kreuter took out Shakri seven five six two, and then Perez Pena uh, took out McKinney six one six four. Mr. Grant. Any thoughts on how this unfolded? Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to talk just a moment about the South Carolina match since uh, I think it fits with the theme of what I'm about to say about UGA. Um, in the South Carolina match, that was Friday, number eight, South Carolina. Um, Georgia Tech did lose four to three uh, in singles. Martin, McDaniel, and Chopra all won, including Chopra being a 6-0, 6 over over number 67, Lambling. Uh, Martin and McDaniel both beat top uh, 15-ish ranked players in three sets. Uh, tough story on the bottom three courts uh, as Sakdev, Shokri, and Robert Bauer all fell in two sets. Uh, what this all comes down to then is the first point played, the doubles point uh, in it. Uh, a very odd occurrence where all three doubles courts went 7-6. Um, it's just one of those times where, uh, you know, Tech only got one court and the other team got two. Um all this to say, Georgia Tech is, at this point, 
probably the most, or sorry, Georgia Tech men's tennis is probably the most snake bitten uh, team that we have on the flats. I think it's pretty fair to say. Um, yeah, they could do with a little more depth um, on the bottom three courts of singles, but uh, Martin McDaniel Chopper are, are all really, really talented players. And I think dating back, gosh, probably a season and a half or two or two now, it's just been them coming up short and a lot of tough, you know, four, three, five, two type type matches. And, you know, you got the UGA one going, um, going five, two, and it, maybe not as close, but it, it it's brutal. Like it's, it's game of inches. It's a game of a couple points here and there that changed the entire vibe of, you know, how, how these types of things go. So um, really fought, uh, especially on those top two courts with the three setter wins uh, in singles. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say, man. It's, they're they're so due. <laughs> yeah, it, are, it feels... are, you, are you qualifying the snake bittenness as in like just this year or that time time frame you gave of one to no. two years or uh, yeah one one two two and a half basically since they came back from COVID really yeah they've had so many near misses um, to move on to Sunday which was not a near miss this was an outright win uh, pretty clean one too from the scores uh, a little bit of lineup shuffling in the Citadel game. Uh, Chopra Shokri were the one double score. They defeated Shoemake and Kaminiki, uh, the Citadel, uh, 6-1. Martin and Sakdev defeated Robbins and Bagwell, 4-2. That went unfinished because McDaniel and Bauer defeated Benesetic and Hendricks, 6-1 in doubles. Going down the singles pairing, McDaniel, Martin, Sakdev, Shokri, McKinney, and Bauer, all tech players, all one uh not a not a lot to report chakri uh went to a tie break in the second set so did Sakdev. uh but everything else pretty pretty clean pretty 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 good anything to say there mr grant it seems like we played on par like this wasn't like, there wasn't any massive surprises here we still played well against uga considering the circumstances everyone was pretty pumped for that i forgot south Carolina was like good good um i know we had talked about that earlier in a previous pod um, so, I mean, I wouldn't say this is an absolute disappointment, but at the same time, there is more to be desired. I, I And I think I, I wasn't going to say something else, but I think the that qualification deserves some like reemphasis in, mm-hmm. in like it's not a disappointment that they're snake bitten or, you know, just coming up a little bit short. It's it's more of like a I feel bad for them kind of thing, not like, oh, this egregious result you know like it, it's tough like they're they're playing their hearts out and they're having really great matches but just can't <laughs> can't buy that last point or two or you know it, it's tough we'll find some more points on tech sports right after this short break yeah and as always our short break is brought to you by section 103.com section 103 is the best place to find comfy and classic uh georgia tech apparel um kind of noted this last week but i'm circling back around uh the north avenue trade school with the new and improved or new and refined whatever you want to call it uh school seal is uh the the uh newest thing that they've got uh, on offer there. I say that as I'm in my classic bookstore Georgia Tech shirt with the uh, old seal on it, but uh, the new one in Heather Navy with uh, some gold print on it is the uh, the latest and greatest from Section 103. As always, free shipping on orders over 70 bucks. You can find them at section103.com and at section103. As we alluded to last week, go vote in the poll. Uh, 
There are right answers, but it's for you to decide what those are. Thanks again. Gentlemen, let's move over to the softball diamond at Shirley Mewborn Clements Field. We previewed softball last week ahead of their Buzz Classic season opener this weekend. It was a mixed First, it, it was very rainy. It's very rainy outside. It was very was rainy. The weather sucked. It was uh, the an worst. Entire day, an entire day of competition got canceled. Uh, due to the weather, which never really came on Saturday. Not that that matters. Um, they went one and one versus UConn on Friday. The first game, the season opener, was a bit of a close loss uh, that they nearly pulled back uh, all the way. They were down like three, four runs at one point. Uh, they then beat St. Francis uh, in a one-hitter by Blake Nelliman and then lost a real tough game versus newly minted D1 softball number 22, North Texas. Mr. Grant, where do we start the discussion on this weekend for softball? Ironically, or maybe not, I wouldn't even start the discussion with Georgia Tech softball itself. Instead, I want to point out UConn. Um, He might make a cursory look over this result uh, if you're not as uh, into the softball mess as, you know, the three of us are really me. I, <laughs> I'll take the crown on that. But um, between the three teams that we played, UConn, St. Francis, and North Texas, as we noted, North Texas is a, you know pretty comfortably a top 25 team at this point. And UConn uh, and St. Francis both made the tournament last year. That being said, I think UConn uh, is one to focus on not just because you know we lost 6-5 and that's tough, but because they essentially imported – an entire like uh, stacked starting battery uh, in the off season. Um, freshman Grace Jenkins and Hope Jenkins uh, play uh, played at pitcher and catcher in the first game, uh, and then moved to DH and first base in the second game. I will also note that uh, when Hope was on the mound, she was also their designated player. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty significant pickup for them uh, and. Uh, yeah, and and uh, Jenkins did pitch five innings, gave up four hits, two runs. Uh, both of those were earned to get the win. Uh, so yeah, not a bad, not a bad start for what I would say is uh, some some fresh faces. Uh, I, I will also note that at the plate uh, in the first game, the two of them combined for seven appearances, one run, three hits, uh, five RBIs. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, pretty that's good, good. You, wow. you might say. And in the second game, they uh, combined for five at-bats, one hit, uh, one RBI, and a walk. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, a, a team that – could very well be even better than they were last year. And they weren't, uh, weren't necessarily bad last year either, but, um, but yeah, no, they're, uh, they're both uh, quite the, quite the pickups. And, and again, not to be immediately jumping to the absolve absolution of the loss, but I mean, if, if you're going to take two losses, much better for them to come uh, against UConn and, and North Texas, then even St. Francis, but St. Francis is a pretty good team too. So, um, yeah, maybe uh, I would say a deceptively good showing, uh, as as much as we kind of said, or maybe me uh, said that you know five and one was kind of the expectation. But UConn did add did add a lot, and, and North Texas, of course, has been rewarded for 
being a, you know, a, a solid program for the second year in a row, it seems. I'll add uh, some color on the Georgia Tech side uh, with your, or next to your color on the UConn side. Uh, we saw a lot of lineup rotation in these couple yeah. of games. Uh, Paige Vukadinovich uh, really showed out uh, the first couple of games uh, at the mound. She was at the top of the order uh, for a couple of these. Emma Kalf was still still solid as always. Reese Hunter, uh, who we talked about in our preview episode, uh, got some run at catcher and put Emma Kalf in left field. That was a that was an interesting little twist. Uh, Bailey Chapin, I believe, was the first baseman. Baseman. Um, uh, Madison Dobbins in mostly at the designated player spot. Uh, I think Grace Conley was at second base. So that kind of rounds out your um, rounds out the additions that we were looking for. Uh, other some other notes: Auburn Dupree and Jin Saleo had a really bad weekend at the plate. Uh, Jin Saleo, especially, who uh, went. Let's see if I can find the number. She she had Eleven hit. ABs and one hit. Yeah, she had that one yeah. hit to get an R- to get a couple of RBIs in, but that was it. She was 077 uh, after the game on this after the second game on Sunday. Yeah, I see 091 uh, be batting average right now. Auburn Dupree at uh, 125, so not too far off. Auburn Dupree also involved in the weirdest batter interference call I think I've ever seen on a baseball diamond or softball diamond. Softball diamond. I don't know what to tell you there. Um, I, I do want to add a little more color for tech as well. Kinsey Norton coming into pitch in relief twice uh in the first game uh she threw three and one third innings gave up one hit no runs no earned uh once one walk two strikeouts 10 uh, at bats and 11 batters face for zero 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 era in the first game uh also notable because chandler dennis did struggle um there they kind of just hung a five spot on her in the fourth inning um that was one where we had two outs uh but they had runners in uh scoring position so made it uh made it a little tough there um so one thing to keep an eye on you know maybe that's a little bit luck but a little bit uh a little bit i would say maybe uh kind of concerning but something to keep an eye on she came back and pitched on sunday for uh seven scoreless innings uh, of play and only allowed one hit so you know maybe it's just settling into the you know, into the the scheme of things, if you will. Uh, also, Kinsey Norton came in for another inning and a third of relief in the uh, game against North Texas. That was an inning and a third of one hit, no run, one walk, one strikeout, uh, one strikeout play there as well. So, um, you know, we talked about needing a third, a third pitcher. Maybe we found one, guys. She was really good in relief. Um, really helped calm things down in that. UConn game where Dennis got hammered and had to had to be pulled um, and sort of set the stage for that comeback that ended up coming a coming a run short. So um, really nice work from her. I mean, batting uh, batting average against was only 133, which uh, pairs nice with Blake Nellman's 174. Not bad. Nellman now fifth in tech history and strikeouts also after the weekend. 19 of those added to her total this weekend, by the way. Yeah, that's what happens when you are the iron arm of, of a softball team. You get a lot of got get a lot of opportunities to to notch some uh, notch some strikeouts there. So um, good to see, and and you know, hopefully uh, the the staff settles in as they get. I would say more into the rhythm as well. I think that can't really be um, understated. Just that it was a weird weekend with a lot of inconsistencies in in weather and you know on top of getting into the just the general swing of the season so um 
It also yeah, sucks okay. pitching in the cold. Like that's just the worst mm. when it's like that, and you're yeah. it, it, you're just getting compressed the whole time just because it's it God. Is, it was it there was, was so bad. Miserable. It was so bad out there that day. Props to the grounds crew for like having to keep that field up in tip top shape throughout the weekend too, because it was just off and on various rains all all over the place. Um, yeah, no, I hated playing in games like that growing up, but you kind of have to suck through it when you play in off spring or summer in Georgia. Yeah, I mean that's uh, the most the most wonderful time of the year right now is uh, yes. is this weather that we get in in mid to late February and, and early March when it just seems to rain for for months on end here. But um, I do want to pull up uh, the USI. Uh, it's last year still; they haven't uh, released any new nitty gritties yet this year. Uh, just to take a look at the the year ahead. Um, or not the year ahead, the week ahead. Uh, Georgia State uh, is who Tech is getting in the midweek. Uh, we had them in our rankings right at about 178. Uh, that's pretty similar to what the NCAA's RPI saw them at. They were, uh, I believe, uh, 173rd in adjusted RPI. So um, something, to, something to keep an eye on there. That's the midweeker. It's on the road. But, you know, you got to get those wins uh, against uh Against teams like that, uh, in terms of next weekend's opponents, that's Illinois and Wisconsin for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, yours truly will be at the Mew a lot this weekend because uh, Louisville is also in town. Uh, they won't play Tech, but both Tech and Louisville will be playing Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, we had Illinois right at 39. Um, we had them at, at as an at-large participant uh, in the USI. So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, really, that uh, Big Ten bubble is is really pretty massive, and I, I don't think we need to uh, give Wisconsin any more introduction. If, if folks were following along last year, they certainly know this team already. So we're seeing them again after what? Four total games since we last saw them. Yeah, <laughs> God, that's that's weird to think about. Uh, the, the last thing I'll leave us on before we move on, Mr. Grant, do you think that Coach Morales will continue to tinker with her lineup in both the midweek and heading into next uh, next week's games, or do you think that she will tinker in the midweek and then have something set and ready to go that she runs out for all four? Uh, uh, for the Big Ten ACC Challenge? Uh, four games in a weekend is less than six, but it's still, uh, I would say, probably a lot <laughs> to to get with. So just out of, you know, sheer, you know, sheer necessity, I think uh, there'll be a team that uh, kind of does rotate some stuff up. So I, I wouldn't say we're going to be too settled in this. We'll, we'll see some rotation midweek, maybe some, I, hopefully some different uh, pitching just to, you know, get a get a slice of it and see what's out there. You know, maybe the the Voils and and other folks that we've talked about previously. But I, I, I mean, we might see like uh, the same lineup for two or three of them. But I, I wouldn't think it would be the same the the entire slate. Fair enough. Uh, moving over to Russ Chandler Stadium, we'll talk about baseball later this week and when we do their previews. So let's skip over. To Macaulay Aquatic Center. Well, technically not a Macaulay Aquatic Center this year. The because GAC. The championships are at the GAC in Greensboro. They start Tuesday. Let's talk power rankings first, Mr. Grant. What you got for me to set the stage? Yeah. Um, bef- before we get uh, into the swimming power rankings, I do want to clarify that when I say UConn is a tournament caliber team, that's saying the model says that they should have gotten 
the uh, the auto bid had the Big East played out as expected in the tournament. So before somebody asks me on softball results, that's uh, the model saying that they're the best team in the in the Big East. So clarify my wording there. Uh, rolling on to the swimming power rankings, uh, there are uh, an uneven number of teams. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Miami on the men's side only fields a diving team. So not uh, not one that you'll see in our rankings here uh, on the men's side. Uh, we'll just read them off in order. Uh, North Carolina State, uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Notre Dame. Uh, those are your top five. And then after that, you've got uh, Chapel Hill, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Duke, and Boston College. Uh, on the women's side, you've got Virginia. That's your national number one. Louisville, your national number five. Uh, NC State at six. UNC, uh, Duke rounding out your top five. After that, you've got Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, Miami, Florida State, Pittsburgh, Tech, and Boston College. Uh, like we said, there is one more women's team than the the men. Uh, there's 12 on the women's side, so that puts Tech at uh, about 65th in the country in our power rankings, uh, 11th in the conference. And then on the men's side, uh, I believe that puts them in 8th and 41st nationally. Uh, but but then again, there's going to be a lot of fast swing this weekend. So don't consider any of these set in stone by any means. So ACC Championships, Greensboro Aquatic Center, your top line features Batarun Lu, the top overall seed in the 500 free and the second overall seed in the 200 free, while Burke Saka is the top overall seed in the 200 back. Anyone else that we should mention? I, I do want to shout out the thousand swimmers, uh, particularly Mert Kilovus. He may not be number one or two in the in the rankings there, but he's uh, pretty speedy in that as well. So that's one that I have circled. But then again, I'm also a little biased as a former distance swimmer to be wanting to watch the mile. So, Mr. Purdy, anything else to add on ACC championships? This is already like a proto NCA title meet just because of UVA women existing. Um, on the same team again for another year. If you look at the psych sheet for last year, which is on they posted online, most of the swimmers that were setting records last year at both the ACC championship meet that set records for that meet, Macaulay Aquatic Center and the NCAA and the NCAA meet in general are all back this year. Um, the Walsh sisters are back. Katie Perkoff at NC State, Kate Douglas at UNC or at UVA, uh, Carl's called Martin at BC. Uh, David Curtis at uh, NC State, Yusef Ramadan, uh, and Kasper Stokowski. Like, all these guys were, and girls were insane last year. Like, just putting record swim up after record swim. And they got another year of training under their belt, so who the heck knows what's going what's to happen in Greensboro in terms of ACC records going down. I wouldn't expect them to be breaking NCAA records because they still got about another month to taper before that meet uh, in Nashville or, or in Knoxville or, uh, what, Minneapolis where the guys are swimming this year. So though this is if you if you're able to watch any of this meet, it's gonna be it's gonna be so good because effectively the bulk of the US women's team that isn't a Katie Ledecky is gonna be in this meet. It's it's kinda like the Olympic trials versus the uh actual Olympics. It really is. I, it's a great yeah, that's a good metaphor. It kind of it works that way. I find myself enjoying the trials and the ACCs honestly a little bit better than NCAAs and I mean, maybe it's not quite to the same extent. I, I think trials, this is a completely different podcast topic, but probably more compelling swimming than uh, than the Olympics simply because of the depth of talent uh, that the Americans do have. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, in terms of um, 
just general quality. I, I think the ACC is appealing um, to a tech fan a little bit more than the NCAA is just because you're going to see a lot more tech entries uh, that, that, you know, the, the talent's a little bit more diverse in the NCAA. Um, so it's not necessarily that the, you know, the, a perfect metaphor, but yeah, uh, you're going to see some top line tech talent. I think it's going to come down to the same thing we've said for a long time, right? They just don't have the same depth that some of these other teams have, right? Unlu and Saka already mentioned they, they could darn near win it. But I mean, there's, there's a reason that the model has them at about eighth, ninth in the conference. And that's really what it has the last four years it's existed. And it's the same thing that they've done even when they've had Pampudis and Ferraro. So, I mean, do do we remember if this is like a slight increase or decrease from last year with that team or is it, or we're holding, hold steady. Uh, It's, it's a decrease. Uh, I, I can say that knowing just generally where they were at in the, uh, the national rankings. I'm not sure if it's a one to one. I think they might have been as high as sixth or seventh at some points, but I also can't go back now because the USA swimming uh, changed all of their reporting. Uh, so I had to modify huh. my script and I've had uh, only so many hours in the day to get the old one re back working. Um, so I, I have not actually gone back and, and rerun it. But I mean, th- this, this model's had tech between 40 and 22 40 and 18 uh every year the last four you know four or five years that we've had it up so uh, it's really no different than uh, actually you can you know chime in here if you want to but i I don't see any difference here than than what we've seen in the past yeah it's more or less the same um it's not that tech is a bottom feeder in this conference it's that the conference is so it rolls the conference is insane yeah put that that, tech team in any other conference maybe aside from the big 12 and we're talking a different story here or the pac 12 sorry pac 12 it's an absurd swimming conference. Yeah. Uh, that That's all that really needs to be said there. I think that about wraps it up for the pool, unless anyone has any other final notes. I've got one more parallel, uh, and I think it's something just to make it a little bit more accessible. It's the exact same way that you're going to talk about uh, women's and men's tennis in the conference. It's the exact same way that you're going to talk about men's and women's basketball in the conference. Yes. This is the exact same way you're going to talk about baseball. And in, in two or three years, people are going to talk about softball the exact same way too. Um it, they're not quite there yet in softball or volleyball or, um, you know, uh, I guess football, but, <laughs> but, you know, it, the exact same way that you would approach talking about ACC basketball is how you can talk or ACC basketball, men's or women's ACC baseball is the exact same way that you can talk about ACC swimming. It is stacked. Um, and yeah, uh, a top, you know, 30 top 40 team in the country could, could darn well near finish 10th. <laughs> like it, can't that's wait for just us to be in the big 10 and not have to deal with this anymore. going to be great. I think you may uh, be surprised at just how well, be good too. Uh, how but, good the Big Ten is at a lot of different sports, Jack. Hey, we'll we'll, we'll let them have fencing. We don't have that yet. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, the purview of Notre Dame in this conference. Yikes! Uh, let's move on. Let's rapid fire some of these final sports here. No track and field updates that I have on my sheet. Uh, club hockey was off they had senior night last time we spoke so um they were off uh men's lacrosse dispatched jmu with extreme prejudice 71 to or the 17 71 71. uh varsity golf had a weird situation uh at in hawaii excuse me uh where there were high winds that took out their scheduled tournament so they played a very interesting acc big 10 challenge uh while or ac 12 12 challenge while they were out there uh they lost one one four to texas or four one one 
Texas won four match play um, points. Uh, Tech won one by Bartley Forrester's hand, uh, and then Hiroshi Tai split his uh, split his match. So interesting cobbled together weekend for the golf team. But I think that about wraps it up for all of these sporting events. But I see Mr. Grant has another walk on. I have one more comment. Uh, I love match play golf. Um, I think that it's a pretty good format. I think it makes for great TV. And I would love to see this happen more. Uh, Texas Tech and UNC are both great programs. Texas top 10. Texas, I think, has won uh, their, more than their fair share of national titles the last couple of years. I don't know which one's off the top of my head, but they're a top 20 team as well. Um, it's a little bit tough because... Uh, expecting it to be an invitational both teams only brought uh, six golfers so you know that uh, leads to a little bit of wonky lineups there but um, you know it it's something that uh, that I think it makes for good TV I think it's something that really makes the ACC championship uh, compelling golf to follow when we're uh, if you remember back to last year but hopefully we see more of this Uh, and and I think it's you know this impromptu type stuff can be can be a lot of fun it's also very fun that well, like you said, it was impromptu, and it kind of felt like the Coastal Carolina BYU game from 2020, yeah. the football game, where they just sort of, you know, they're just like, do it live. I don't know. They're yeah. already there. The team's already there. They're not doing anything. Um, but the at least the wins abated uh, so that they could get their competition in at, at the golf course um, and, yeah. you know, play some really tough competition in, in Texas. It, Texas is a great program. Really, really great program. Uh, they are next in action just for, to round things out uh sunday february 9th through tuesday february 21st so in about about a week ish time uh that's at camp creek golf club in panama city for the water sound invitational uh, i don't know if that's something that's been on the schedule in the past i can't remember off the top of my head uh but looking ahead there are a, a couple more that you'll that you'll certainly recognize if you've been listening to this uh listen to this podcast for a while so um should be should make for a good spring and and these guys are the quietly the most competent team year in and year out that we've got on the flats they're a top 10 team and they're probably going to go and do top 10 things this year so uh keep an eye out on them and and, you know if if you get a chance go see them but that's probably the hardest one to to catch with how uh how they're always all over the country and in these crazy nice spots they were like in Scottsdale for half of their competitions somehow, usually. Or Hawaii. So like, <laughs> yeah. They're in Scottsdale or Hawaii. So just like take a couple buddies, do the waste management open style trip, but just for Georgia Tech golf. What's the worst that could happen? Speaking of uh, Scottsdale, this is, I believe, the third year in a row that Greyhawk is hosting the NCAAs. So uh, it, it legitimately, Scottsdale. Go find uh, uh, I don't know some some cheap flight out to out to Phoenix for late May, fellas. I think that about wraps it up for us. We'll have a baseball episode out later in the week on Thursday. We still have to record that, uh, but we'll we'll get that done. We'll get that out in your podcatcher feeds. Mr. Grant, take us home. Yeah, uh, thanks as always to this fine podcast's favorite apparel provider. That's Section 103. Uh, you can find them at section103.com or at Section 103 on Twitter. Uh, great stuff. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, in terms of where you can find us, you can find us 
at fromtherumbleseat.com. You can email us at fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com. Please do. Uh, we, we really do appreciate all of your feedback, all of your suggestions, and we incorporate those into our podcast every week. Uh, you can find this website, uh, fromtherumbleseat.com, to post comments and to read other content that we put out. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at FTRS blog. I'm at Jake Grant 98 Jack is at Jack Nicholas. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at From the Rumble Seat. You can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. Please like, uh, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all that good stuff. And, and tell your friends. We really do appreciate it. Uh, talk to you early this week. And good night. See you Thursday. Go Jackets. Oh,